Rob, it's the winner, and it's time once again for that great pastime, the Winter Marble Olympics. Oh, oh yes, every four years, whether we're ready or not. Perhaps we should tell the audience what the hell we're talking about. It's YouTube. Oh, yeah, YouTube. I like how it's it's sort of like watching a foreign nation's ESPN3. <laughs> you know, it's just this kind of distillation of the competitive spirit into something that like mostly fits into some weird guy's living room but like not quite and you're you're sure he's had to like build out his garage a bit who do you like in the marble olympics this year i'm all about green uh you're a limers fan oh i'm a limer that's right okay i'm a savage speeders fans uh because I don't really like for the teams to be identified by their color. I don't even see marble color. You just see the competition for the pure spirit that it is. I'm there for the rolling. <laughs> it's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance. Adventure. Mystery. Anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale! Hello, and welcome back to the show that usually ends. It's another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I am Alan, and I have with me my friend Rob. Rob? say something to the nice people at home this may be my last podcast i uh haven't been feeling well lately alan and so uh soldiering on in the face of adversity i had the flu i uh appear to now have a sinus infection and uh god help us all i i hope i make it through it okay i said say a few things i didn't say like give me your life story at the american legion wrong <laughs> the audience demanded it alan i could tell yeah okay why don't we just sort of jump into our story uh our story this week is entitled limbering up ebenezer by harry irving shumway it's from the may 1919 edition of saucy stories magazine Saucy story is always a favorite here on the Interrupted Tales podcast. Oh, curl up in your favorite chair and grab yourself a drink while we read you this week's tale. Once a man there was, a fat man, strange to say, who just loved to have money around him. Whoa, he loved money? Is this a romance story or science fiction? People loving money. The very thought. He didn't have the first nickel he ever made because he swapped it for a dime with another kid. He told the other kid that the nickel was bigger than the dime and therefore must be worth lots more. Wait, this isn't how money works? Guess that explains why the bank wouldn't take a one-ton Australian kangaroo coin for my house down payment last year. This Ebenezer went from boyhood to manhood, and only one person had ever seen him spend anything. That person? The waitress at Denny's. 
But how could this trusting observer know that it was a lead nickel, that the tight wad was springing on a slot machine for chocolate? Wait, a slot machine for chocolate? Wow, Vegas really has started going for that family audience. Hey, that's my time. Thanks for being such a great audience. Don't forget to tip your server. Did you bring the air horn, or is that the, <laughs> that's my the thing. house lights going down? No, no, that's my thing. I got a towel over one shoulder. I got the air horn. It's, that's, okay. uh, that's my thing on stage. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It seems like an unnecessary expense. There's a lot of compressed air. but Okay. <laughs> Shortly after he had got so used to walking in long pants that his gait had little or no suggestion of the spring halt, he began to look around for a cheap wife. It's 1919. Couldn't he just look in the penny saver under floozy back then? You know what they say, Alan. Cheap wife, cheap life, eh? Mm, yeah. Sad to say most of the girls in his town cared for candy. Uh, hmm. That's, that's unsettling. Uh, many of them had been known to express a desire to attend dances. Unfortunately, they lived in Beaumont well before the town had been known to cut loose. Flowers he wasn't afraid of uh, was not the wayside unprofitably gay with the choicest blooms that any girl could wish. Ah, yes. Roadside ditch flowers. When you care enough to send the very just okay. <laughs> it was a long still hunt, and many times he lost the scent and had to go back and pick up the long, long trail all over again. But he had the tenacity of a coonhound. Yes, the breed most known for its tenacity and general tightwad nature. If there was an inexpensive wife, an embryo, or any other place, he would bring her to Earth. Wait, what? What? Wait, just what? <laughs> Is he spelunking in wombs for wives? <laughs> I'm very confused about how dating worked a hundred years ago. Apparently, <laughs> jeez. Oh no. No, this is the wrong turn. Oh, I should have left a trail of... <laughs> Never mind. So one day he espied one who had all the earmarks of a girl who might become passionately found of a calico wrapper. She fitted into the landscape, which was mostly of granite. Just how I like them. Cold and rocky. Like Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman had a baby. Oh, is that not what happened on that show? <laughs> That's why I won all the awards. They had a baby? Oh, no. And then yeah, what yeah. happened to Shailene Woodley was she was the surrogate. Okay. It's complicated. Oh, no, I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Do you really like water to drink? Asked the Ebenezer as he watched her sipping from the tin dipper at the well. I love it. It's the only drink in the world, she answered, smiling. Just before the amoebas ate her brain. <laughs> what beautiful teeth you have. I'll bet you never eat candy. Otherwise, those pearls would not shine so. I loathe it, replied the one made to order. Okay, uh, made to order. I'll, I'll take the cheap dame who doesn't know any better and will accept my miserly ways. Oh, and dressing on the side. Thank you. Uh, this is Denny's. We don't, we don't have that. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, no, this is Denny's. Yeah, we have plenty of those. <laughs> what is that gown you have on, calico or gingham? He inquired, his hands trembling like those of one reaching for a blind man's cup. The 
blind person or someone trying to steal the blind person's cup? Because that person should be pretty confident and sure of hand. You make a good point. <laughs> Thank you. Neither. It is a cotton print. Don't you love it? The touch, the feel, the fabric of this guy's pathetic life. <laughs> the Ebenezer had to dig his fingers into the palms of his hands to keep from yelling hallelujah. He plucked a spray of goldenrod from the roadside and presented it to her. Oh, how sweet. Thank you. Wait here, breathed the pecuniary Lothario. Ooh, what a coincidence. The pecuniary Lothario is my teenage zine dedicated to Warren Buffett. Oh, Warren. <laughs> you know, if I had invested $1 in the pecuniary Lothario when I, when I was in high school, then I would have been asking you when you were going to pay me back that dollar. <laughs> he skipped first and second and went right into high speed, headed in the general direction of Town Hall. Town Hall? So that's what they called it in 1919. Ooh, she let me go to Town Hall and get a copy of the deed to my grandma's house all night long. As he passed the half-mile post, he remembered that the congregational minister owed him two bucks. <laughs> okay, this is... Well, he doubled my investment. <laughs> the Ebenezer had been raised an Episcopalian, but two bucks are two bucks and the knot would be tied by the Congregationalist. Well, tied in a loose, autonomous nature, as befitting the church. As he breezed abaft the three-quarter post, breathing a bit, but compression 100%, he recalled that he had something coming from a brakeman on the PNR. Hold on, that sentence meant something in 1919, right? Because it sure as hell doesn't mean anything now. Okay, well... Uh, compression refers to a type of garment that women wear, and a baft is a trade agreement that was negotiated by Proctor and Ramble. I stand corrected. The PNR was only a branch road boasting of a panorama of stockyards, rolling mills, and much swamp. But what place is scenery when two economical hearts beat in rhythm? The brakeman had a pass for self, and wife was the idea. The brakeman had a pass for self, uh, and wife was the idea. Uh -huh. The idea was the brakeman had a pass for self and wife. I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think that's it. The Ebenezer could take it away from him and use it himself. Wait, is he marrying the brakeman now? I'm either really confused or his cheapness is suddenly going in a far more interesting direction. I don't know. Where is the <laughs> minister that is, is he far? Is he far away? I think he's a railroad minister. I, okay. I don't know. He had to put on both brakes to keep from going right through the town hall. At the sign marked licenses, he stopped. I would like a license, he remarked. Dog or marriage, inquired the official wag. Both. She's a simple collie, but our pups will be strong country folk. How much are they? Dog, two dollars. Marriage, one dollar. 
Give me a marriage license then, said Ebenezer, beginning to feel that it really was a better bargain than he had thought. Oh, but when she leaves your ass, she's going to leave with half. Holla, we want prenup. We want prenup, yeah. <laughs> the two gay birds, now man and wife, eased out of the hometown on the milk train the next morning. Oh, yeah, the milk train. Starting to get hip to their double entendres. The milk train brings all the men to the stockyard. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The sun came up just as they opened up the shoebox of tongue sandwiches and homemade pickles. Yep, tongue sandwiches and homemade pickles. I get it, you old dog. <laughs> when, did they, when did they have time to make pickles? <laughs> you can't. You can't just go down. I mean, they just went and eloped. Pickles take a month. Uh, no, this is a quick pickle recipe. He, uh, he's a cheap man. He knows what to do with the pickle. <laughs> it's just, it's just Kool Aid and lie. <laughs> and it was a glorious sight. At the junction, he pushed the slot for a small piece of gum. Wait, now it's just sounding yeah, gross. That's got pretty rough. Yeah. He broke it into two pieces, putting one into his mouth and retrieving the other to Bessie. Okay, I'm I'm lost again. Bessie is one of her boobs, right? Uh, she did not specify which. Okay. She was, as he had surmised, staggered with the munificence of the gift. The thing was going off beautifully. About ten miles further on, a driving shaft broke and the engineer had to stop for repairs. At least that's what he told them. He just wanted some time away from the cheap weirdos. <laughs> Was it not Providence itself that had snapped the steel right in the midst of the loveliest bed of wild roses? The Ebenezer garnered a huge bouquet of these and brought them to his sweetheart. She said she had never seen such wonderful flowers, and he smiled like a man who had just been notified by the savings bank that he had deposited to the limit. Deposit to the limit. One more time. No, I, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, $500 has broken the bank. <laughs> That's not, it's not what you want to hear, really. No. The turtle doves flew into the town late that night in a cloud of soft coal smoke, but happy. The exchequer had been called upon to the extent of one cent. I even I knew that was cheap back then. You could buy a house for a quarter at the time. It was the end of an almost perfect day. The penny spoiling the score. The score being, of course, cheapskate one, dignity zero. They went to housekeeping in a little gray house, with gothic here and there, mixed with a little real American 1881 period. In other words, a total shitbox. Or like a scary shitbox, but no plumbing. <laughs> well, that is a shitbox, I guess. That's, now that, That's the definition that's, of a shitbox. Exactly. Uh, there were no iron setters guarding the moat, but from the back attic window, you could catch a glimpse of the swift river. Or at least the children they kept up in the attic could. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, V.C. Andrews was in 1881? Okay. <laughs> it, it checks out. When ten years had been marked off by the speedometer, Bessie found that her mileage had been good, but that speed had been sadly lacking. I can't imagine why. She married a miserly weirdo. What went wrong? 
Even though one at 18 sees nothing but beauty in a cotton print of Persian derivation, it is no sign that later on it will still bring the same throb of pleasure. Finally, a phrase that fits a magazine called Saucy Stories. Throb of pleasure. Just one, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Just one throb. Though goldenrod may have seemed pretty once, gives some people hay fever. And some droids are quite insulted by being called it. (laughs) But then he's got a red arm for part of it, so (laughs) what was he doing with the arm? I almost didn't recognize him. Yeah. He got it. He got his regular arm back. That was his whole shtick. That's it. That's nothing. And after a while, one sees there is so much water in the world that it would be hopeless to try to drink all of it. Yes, it would be much better to try to remove all of the precious minerals from it using some kind of chemical magnet. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Where could I find out more about your chemical magnet? Yeah, that would be in our previous episode. Yes. In other words, ten years had made Bessie long for the things she had often read about in the magazine that came to the house, free of charge every month. Things like refrigerators and rugs and same-day bread. (laughs) Same-day bread. That's my new startup. (laughs) Breadero. It's a bread box. Oh, hey, it comes with the term already. The Ebenezer was so enraptured with addition that he'd forgotten all about the charming pastime, subtraction. And its far less interesting hobby, Boolean algebra. Mm, Boy, I don't know, I get really turned on by some fifth dimensional topology. Ooh, yeah. Along about this time, Bessie's sister from the city paid her a visit. Six trunks preceded her, and more were to follow. Alas, they were all filled with golden rods and homemade pickles. <laughs> we got the dill, we got the sweet, we got the bread and butter. <laughs> I don't I don't have any more varieties of pickles. I don't think there are any more varieties of pickles. We need an Amish person. Are there any handy? When Ebenezer met her at the station, He took a long breath before checking up the inventory. Her clothes, he knew, amounted to enough to clear the mortgage on the church. Had he thought quickly enough, he would have put her back on the train. But by the time his brain had worked it out correctly, the wheels were rolling along. Cheap and slow. Once again, this guy proves to be the catch (laughs) of the century. Of course, the sisters had a good long talk when the Ebenezer had gone back to the works. That is, sister talked. Bessie listened. The chair, of course, didn't answer at all. (laughs) (laughs) I am, I cry. (laughs) Okay. Dear, I can see that you have something coming to you. How long have you been here? Ten years. It had actually been twelve, but he'd been too cheap to buy the last two. Well, I mean, that's the worst two is at the end. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's two years once you just once you drive it off the lot. It's already <laughs> <laughs> This is just smart. Have you ever seen a movie? Once. 
It was called Birth of a Nation, and I learned so much. <laughs> yeah. Can you do the foxtrot? Well, what is it? It's a once terrific dance ruined by white people. How often does Ebenezer bring you orchids? Never. I don't care for fruit. Okay, there's a difference between cheap and dumb. <laughs> yeah, and she's crossed it. Well, let's have a cocktail and talk things over. We sold the poultry two weeks ago. Ebenezer said the market was right. Man, do I miss that bird. He made the best damn martinis. <laughs> it is as I thought, said Sister, rolling up her sleeves. Listen, this Midas X Bluebeard has perpetrated high crime upon you. Alan, Alan, can I change my name to Midas X Bluebeard? I promise to only do awesome things with it. Okay. Yes. Um, gonna need to change that power of attorney. <laughs> I will sign anything as long as I get to sign it. Midas X Bluebeard. You have been in jail ten years and never even asked the guard the way out. First, where does the ogre keep the scats, the mazuma, the pieces of eight? The doe, the moolah, the hamiltons, the benjamins, the dollar dollar bills, y'all. A circulating medium of exchange stamped by public authority and measure of value. If you mean money, every bank in the county. Have you asked him for any of it? Once. Then when I saw how cruel I was to even think of it, I was so sorry. He forgave me, though, after a while. It took several calming swims through his pool full of golden coins, a la Scrooge McDuck, though. <laughs> Sister looked at her long and thoughtfully. Then she told her all about it. When she got through, Bessie realized how thoroughly well done she had been. The light broke through the mist, and birds began to twitter. And they twittered, hashtag woke, hashtag hit em up style. Is, is Blue Cantrell trending these days? <laughs> In my heart, she always trends. It's going to be rough work getting this reserve bank to come across. What's his weakness, asked Sister. Carry on, you are on vacant land, answered Bessie, or words to that effect. Her actual words, food, money, and chocolate gold coins. And then we must get something on him. Has he ever done anything that wouldn't check up with Blackstone? Has he ever toyed with widows and orphans? No, oh, mm. no. This, this slang is going the wrong way entirely. Yeah. And I didn't think Carrie Blackstone should be associated with that. <laughs> He's never actually murdered anyone with a knife, answered the wrong wife. But the other things I guess he has done. Mm. You are sure? Sure. I've seen him use guns, machetes, a trebuchet, and one of those sticks with a metal spiked ball at the end of it. Never a knife, though. That's a morning star, Rob. <laughs> it's a morning star. Fairly. Nobody has ever been able to bring him up short. But with your advice and what I know, maybe we can do it. Good, said sister. I fancy I can hear the purse strings loosening now. Sister's gonna get paid. Cha-ching! Suffice it to say that the work was done. These two innocent women gathered enough general and particular information to satisfy the most fastidious. Bessie unlocked the volcano one night at supper. Soon after stopping by the store for some baking soda and vinegar, 
Well, you gotta at least use red dye. I mean, she had it at home. Otherwise, she she had it at home. Ebenezer, she said with the utmost assurance, "I want twenty thousand dollars." Twenty thousand dollars. From what I've learned from the movies, the only way she could raise that kind of scratch quickly would involve a bikini car wash or robbing a bikini car wash on their busiest day of the year. Oh, wait a minute! Quick, cancel the podcast. We got something. We got something to plan. A wound like that is liable to bring on fatal results. But Ebenezer had faced many a wronged party, and he had the recipe. <laughs> That's a good one. Where did you get it? Out of the magazine, I'll bet. Tell me another while I eat. Okay. A man walks into a bar with a talking dog and he says, Damn it, I can never remember that punchline. Could use work. This isn't on the funny page, Ebenezer. Kindly be good to my ears and lay off the soup. Now let's begin. Ebenezer didn't believe he was living, but decided to say nothing. Bessie went on. For ten years you've been my husband, and if you wish to continue in that role, why, you may have the same part, but there will be new stage business. Step one, give me lots of money. Step two, don't ask questions. Mama's got a lot of time to make up for. Any wife ought to have at least $2,000 a year for herself to keep the ennui from the door. Ennui? She didn't know what a cocktail was ten minutes ago. <laughs> her sister has really been cramming her. Ten of these years would be $20,000, just the amount I asked you for. You see, I am generous. I haven't asked you for any interest while you have had the money. That is generous, although wait until she hits him up with the bill for the per diem. <laughs> yeah. Although, I expect you will force it on me anyway. Now, Eb, if the money is forthcoming, and a regular monthly amount at that rate henceforth, why, we can go right ahead with the soup. Otherwise, we talk on. Take the soup! The soup! You do not want to see what's behind door number two, Ebenezer. Oh, no, it's a zonk. Ah, oh, well, okay, $100 if you have an egg in your purse. <laughs> Madam, you are either crazy or the victim of something. I refuse to listen to you. Why, you old rat, hissed the ten-year Rip Van Winkle. You say you won't listen to me? If you don't want the skids put under you, you had better hearken. Skids? I, she's just making up her slang at this point. I have enough on you to send you to the pen for 400 years. You were too clever for anybody else to check you up, but I have it on you. What do you mean, gasped the Ebenezer, backed against the wall. Figuratively, not literally. He had been too cheap to spring for a house with walls. Well, yeah, I mean, they need the Owens Corning insulation to sleep on at night. <laughs> they are cheap, I tells you. Cheap? How about the bonds you stole from Widow Wilkes? How about the phony mortgage you foreclosed on Mrs. Smith? How about the perfectly good railway bonds you transferred for worthless oil stock while trustee for Bascom's boy? How about that deal with old blind Peters? And the other dirty job you did to old man Jenkins? How about the bearer bond heist at Yokotami Plaza? That escape to Valverde with General Ramon Esperanza? <laughs> 
What about the time you stole the gold bullion from the New York Federal Reserve? There's more, but the plots got much worse each time. <laughs> well, uh, Hollywood, they just keep recycling. Do you want the whole list? Enough, squealed Ebenezer. Well, how about it? Am I going to wear orchids for breakfast? Or do you want to swap that alpaca coat for a striped one? He's wearing an alpaca coat to dinner? He's not sweating over her threats. It's just the damn fur coat. It's a little warm in here. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait. There are no walls. That oh. actually follows. Okay, I guess. Yeah, the coat's got an R40 rating. You win, my dear, said Ebenezer. Shall I bring it home or bank it for you? I want to have one of those dinky little checkbooks. Have it upholstered in mauve and plenty of blanks. Also, get me one of those really large novelty checks from the publisher's clearinghouse. I've always wanted to walk into a bank and try and cash one of those. Okay, now hold it up. Hold it up and smile. Okay, we just gave you the million dollars. It wasn't three weeks ago. And then we came back and we're shooting another one, right? You just learned. No, you just figured it out. We just came to the door. What? Bessie left two days later for the big city. Her plan was to enjoy everything there was and send home what she didn't have time for at the moment. Ebenezer was frankly surprised by how many gigolos she had shipped to their house. Some of them were pretty good at cards, though. Yeah, well, he's making friends. Everything was working fine, and the dollars were chasing each other like automobiles out of Detroit, when one day the Ebenezer got up nerve enough to ask Bessie how she found him out. Easy, she answered. You talk fluently and in detail every night in your sleep. Mostly about tongue sandwiches, but there was enough criminal activity sprinkled about to make for a real score. Mm. Pickles. Mm. Good. Pickle. Watermelon. Yeah. Goldenrods. Pickle. Mm. If you have no sister, ask a friend. The end. Mm. That was some real jive, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the main plot of the story. <laughs> I think the author had a copy of the uh, Urban Dictionary of 1919, and he really wanted to get through as much of it as possible. Oh, come on. That's always wrong. Their definition for putting the skids under you? Come on. Nobody would really do that. All right, Rob. <laughs> What do you think the moral of this story is? As if it was hard to divine. <laughs> oh, Alan. I think the true moral of the story is that if you're going to be a cheap dirt bag who rips off old ladies and blind guys, you should invest in some kind of mouth guard to keep you from talking in your sleep. Or at least some duct tape. It's just common sense. If I had to say what the moral of the story was... What would you say that moral is, Alan? I mean, if you had to say the moral of the story that we just read... Save the $2. There you go. I want my $2. <laughs> well, Rob, I think maybe we've limbered up enough for today. How about we just call it and say, tune in next time for another exciting interrupted... Can you pay my telephone bills? Can you pay my automobiles? If you do, then maybe we could chill. Da, 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 da.
tale. thinking about asking our listeners popping them the big question okay it's it's not an easy one i think now is the time for us to both get on our knees and look deep deep into our listeners ears and what and ask them sincerely and with conviction will you rate and review us on itunes okay we're on our knees where are their ears (laughs) they're gonna have to bend down too everyone get on your knees Okay, wait a minute. I don't think we want to ask our <laughs> listeners to do that. You know what I think we do want to ask them to do? What? Is to please go to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. If you like what we do, help us out. It's free for you. It's a great thing for us. Rob, can you say anything else without making inappropriate requests from our audience? You can rate and review us on any of the other services too. Google Play, they're awesome. Whether you do it on your knees or not, I leave it up to you. That's your business. Thank you, folks. We appreciate it.